Hey everyone, welcome to The Debrief. Mike will be joining us in just a second. Today we're talking about the vincible ignorance of Catholic leaders, and then will Pope Francis approve new SSPX bishops? We have a new story on Carmelite nuns in Texas taking on their bishop, and we'll wrap with tensions and conflicts among Catholics in the month of June. All of this on The Debrief. Welcome to The Debrief, the weekly show where we're talking about news, questions, and controversies facing the Catholic Church. I'm Dominic DeSouza, the founder of Smart Catholics. And I'm Mike Lewis, the founder and editor-in-chief of Where Peter Is. Let's dive into something that you just published, well, this morning, Mike. You wrote an article on Where Peter Is called Vincible Ignorance Begets Invincible Ignorance. Can you just, okay, why did you write this article? What are the use of these words? Well, the article, the genesis of the article, as you know, at Where Peter Is, we take a lot of these uh, accusations, these assumptions, these claims that are made against um, Pope Francis. A lot of them are unfounded. A lot of them are based on misinterpretations, misunderstandings. Um, the other day, actually last week, we talked about the topic of personhood and how Pope Francis, in trying to discuss the issue of abortion, tries, and he said many times, this is not a religious issue. This is a human rights issue. It's a human issue. It's, uh, it's a basic moral issue. Um, and one of the things when dialoguing with secular humanists or people who have, uh, who disagree with the Catholic Church's teaching, um, will try to argue that, uh, you know, that a developing embryo or fetus or even an infant in some cases is not a person. Pope Francis in, in uh, the Telemundo interview, uh, as we discussed last week, said, you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying person. I'm saying it is a living thing. It's a living being. It's a human life and it needs to be protected. He's always been very clear that from the moment of conception, mm -hmm. it's a life and we need to protect it. And let's just put aside this personhood argument. Well, then it turned out this week, you know, we, we discussed it on the debrief. We reshared the article when the exact same controversy popped up last year. Um, you know, I shared it a few times, but some outspoken critics of Pope Francis, um, Eric Sammons, who's the editor uh, of um, Crisis Magazine, and uh, Deacon um, Keith Fournier, who uh, is in the Diocese of, of uh, Tyler, Texas, and is kind of the right-hand man. Some people say the brains behind uh, Bishop Strickland. Um, oh, really? Both tweeted that the Pope's answer was unclear. It could be troubling. It could be suggesting that he doesn't believe that, uh, you know, that the human life should be protected from the moment of conception. Um, mm -hmm. Deacon Fournier actually uh quoted from the catechism, which, which we discussed, which said that the, um, that Catholics, that we should regard or that we should treat, um, the, uh, we should treat the embryo or the zygote as a person from the moment of conception, but mm -hmm. it's not really a dogmatic definition. And obviously it's not, you know, Thomas Aquinas 
had different ideas of when ensoulment happens and you know there's some biological questions but it felt quite repetitive to see something that had already been addressed something that had already been explained something mm -hmm. that had been debunked pope francis's reasoning was given clearly it's because he's speaking to people who don't necessarily accept the catholic church's view of personhood and i just i just thought to myself these are smart men mm -hmm. you know deacon keith fournier he's a he's an attorney he's a writer um you know he heads up I believe a catechetical institute for for Bishop Strickland. Eric Sammons has has been a Catholic writer and editor for a long time. He you know he edits a magazine uh, that I mean Walker Percy once wrote for for Crisis Magazine. You know uh, you know he I don't know if he's rolling in his grave right now. You know to see that this kind of um, information is is coming out. But one thing that really struck me was that why are they, they should know better. Mm -hmm. If they're going to make an accusation against the Pope, why are they resurrecting something that had been already debunked, you know, last year? It's actually, you know, in terms of bioethics, it's been something that the Catholic Church has discussed and clarified for decades. Mm -hmm. um, I also, when uh, Peter Kwasniewski, uh, who we mentioned last week, had uh, decided to participate in the Hopus Fuel conference, he withdrew from the conference. And he gave a very, very uh, nuanced and um, clearly delineated reasoning for his dropping out. And it was that as a public intellectual, he felt it would be inappropriate for him to appear at a conference alongside a set of contests the host Patrick Coffin is a set of contest. Um, mm -hmm. but otherwise, you know, other people can, uh, you know, will probably benefit from this conference. And, um, on the matter of E. Michael Jones and his anti-Semitism, um, Dr. Kwasniewski basically said, I'm not, a, I'm not terribly aware of what, what he has said or written about the Jewish people. I'm vaguely aware that he has conspiracy theories. Um, I was shown some content that uh, disgusted me, but he didn't go any further than that. He didn't, um, you know, it's like, why did he refrain mm -hmm. from informing himself about the views of E. Michael Jones, especially since as I wrote in my article, all you need to do is watch two videos of him. One isn't even on YouTube because it's him denying the Holocaust at, on an Iranian television station. The other one is actually on YouTube wow. um, yeah. where he says, the fact is the, Jew, the Jews killed Christ and they are the enemies of the human race. And that's in the first 10 minutes of the video, of the 45-minute video, where he goes on wow. to talk you know the evils of Judaism, how they are, how, how they have a revolutionary spirit, how they've caused secularization, immorality. Uh, they've, you know, everything from from modern architecture to rock and roll music um, is a is the Jews are behind it. Um, meanwhile, every five minutes during this interview, he's arguing that he's not anti-Semitic, um, <laughs> but yeah. um, it's. 
but I mean, the thing is, it's like, why would somebody who's as influential as, as Peter Kwasniewski, who has an audience, who mm -hmm. has a platform, why would he restrict or why would he withhold private views and not inform himself, first of all, before agreeing to participate in the conference? And mm -hmm. he actually admits the reason why he signed up was because of what he described as the hysteria from liberal Catholics. Um, but it, it, it just, it also, but it also drew to mind other things. You know, it's, I, I constantly see where Peter is accused of having Mormon ecclesiology or thinking the Pope is a, you know, is a wizard or an oracle or, um, blindly obeying everything that the Pope says or saying, and the word utterance, I rarely hear, but in the past seven or eight years, it's not every utterance of the Pope is uh, is infallible, you know. Um, and it's like, I do know that. If you read the website, you would know this information. And what I've noticed is that a lot of these, um, a lot of these people, uh, these, these leaders, I hear their talking points echoed by anonymous trolls, uh, non-anonymous goodwilled Catholics who are in our parishes, who, you know, who are on social media, maybe people who don't have the wherewithal or the time or uh, haven't dedicated themselves to, um, you know, to researching and investigating questions having to do with the Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's the basic idea is that vincible ignorance uh, begets invincible ignorance so is there a difference between like intentional and invincible or okay yeah the... sorry i don't know if i've defined the term so invincible ignorance um from the basically what the catechism says is the church recognizes that ignorance can reduce someone's culpability for a sin or an error um but only when the ignorance is invincible that is when the when the moral subject is not responsible for his erroneous judgment um you know sometimes it can be intelligence sometimes it just it's just not having the tools or the education or the wherewithal uh to to look up accurate information um mm -hmm. you know some people when the internet was new like you know they would have that aunt who would forward you know everyone on her email list some bizarre conspiracy theory, um, people have different levels of discernment, different levels of discretion. But if you are, if you posit yourself as a teacher or an educator or a public intellectual on the Catholic faith, you have a responsibility to learn the other side of the story. You know, it's, it's the whole thing. If you can repeat your opponent's argument back to them, that's a sign that you really understand your issue. But one thing that I constantly see from, from traditionalists is they create these cartoon caricatures of, of you know, Pope Francis and the people who defend them. You know, they, they call them modernists and leftists and Marxists and uh, hyper-papalists. And then when they, but they don't actually define the terms they or define them to mean anybody that, you know, actually exists. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and so, I mean, it's something that, uh, I guess is wearing on me after, after five years at where Peter is, 
you know, mm -hmm. we've always made a point of citing our sources. You know, I link back to Peter Kwasniewski's statements so that people can click and read them in full context. I'm presenting you with my argument. I'm presenting you with as much information as possible. I'm citing it. You know, when I'm citing the catechism, I'm linking, you know, I'm, I'm providing the paragraph number. Um, and that's a service that we do to, 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 for our readers, because we're, we're interested in truth. Unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be the case, um, with this reactionary group. And, um, and the thing that I found interacting with trolls, interacting with, you know, random people at my parish who might say something like Pope Francis is pro-abortion or something like that, uh, or he rejects the Catholic faith or he's not the true faith true pope i don't sense the reasoning ability necessarily they don't really know their arguments they can't really articulate them mm -hmm. but their opinions are entrenched so mm -hmm. who's responsible for entrenching these these ideas in their heads it's these public figures it's catholic media um so anyway i i i basically spilled my guts about that issue so it's an intense article you know check the links in the description friends and, and uh give it a read so how mike how do you think the different types of ignorance are harming the catholic church and the greater society and maybe you've just literally answered that but well i um, think it's just that you know false narratives begin to take hold um i yeah. you know one that i brought up that that simply will not break is mm -hmm. this rumor or this slander i guess is a better term that in october 2019 a group of indigenous catholics from the amazon region participated in a pagan ceremony or performed pagan worship mm -hmm. during uh a, a saint uh a tree planting service on the peace of saint francis mm -hmm. it's a lie the figure <laughs> yeah. was not pachamama mm -hmm. as it has been called these people were not idolaters. They mm -hmm. were Catholics. They were praying to the Christian God in the way they know how. Mm -hmm. It has been debunked. Every single argument, every single claim. Minute has of been, the experience has every been second, scrubbed through. Yeah. Pedro Gabriel has done it. I've done it. Some traditionalists have even done it. Michael Lofton posted a video that, interestingly, change some minds but it's like these arguments are there it is a groundless mm. false and i'm going to say it again racist lie that wow. they were wow. pagans and that it was a pagan ceremony mm -hmm. and yet the invincible ignorance of these people who are capable of mm -hmm. learning the truth uh if they were willing to just Wait, you listen mean to the, the, the vincible ignorance the uh the vincible yeah well i'm yeah. saying the leaders that that propagate the, the ones who ideas. should know yeah people who should know and mm -hmm. unfortunately those whose uh faculties or their their time to look into things or simply their level of trust in various mm -hmm. people that they grant authority to uh mm -hmm. create invincible ignorance now there's a mm -hmm. a third kind of ignorance which isn't really ignorance at all and it's even mm -hmm. worse um i would describe what it is is feigned ignorance um, the catechism says feigned oh, ignorance and hardness of heart do not diminish, but rather increase the voluntary character of a sin. Um, the example I used in, um, in the article 
or one of the examples I used that that demonstrated this was um, an article I wrote probably three years ago called The Inanity of Control F Criticism. And it was, <laughs> I based, remember that one. It was based on a video of uh, Taylor Marshall yeah. where he says, there's nothing about God, there's nothing about Jesus in this entire encyclical for Tully Tutti. And, and then he puts up three terms, Jesus Christ, God, the father and the Holy spirit. And he's, you know, there's one occurrence of Jesus Christ. There are, are two occurrences of, uh, God, the father or none, you know, and there's one of the Holy spirit. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was minuscule. Yeah. And he mm -hmm. said, look at this, but, and, and, you know, he had gone through the control F function. Well, you know, if you looked for father with a capital F, there were something like 19 references to it. There were like 30 references to Jesus, another 10 to Christ, another mm -hmm. one to Christ Jesus, mm -hmm. but you know, only one or two to Jesus Christ spirit. There were quite a few uh, examples of that as well. Holy spirit. If you only put the, the in front of it, as he did in his graphic, <laughs> mm -hmm then there were fewer, you know, fewer examples. I mean, it was a, it was a dirty trick. Um, and yeah. there's no way. And so that's that level of like feigned um, discussion exactly. or umbrage. Okay. So uh, anyway, I could go on about this for days, but it's, <laughs> well, let, mean, let's, sort of, yeah, let's, Move let's move on. on to the, yeah, the, the next, we, we want to cover this, this tweet. And I'm, I'm kind of curious which level of ignorance maybe this falls under, but the society of St. Pius X named, uh, an apologist named Jeff Kasman, he tweeted an extremely well-placed source, and maybe you can bring up the tweet for those who are watching on, on YouTube, yeah. says multiple priests of the SSPX will be consecrated in June with permission from Pope Francis. Don, is it Davide? Davide, Davide. is among the likely candidates. Uh, is there any truth? Like, what, how should we think about a tweet like this? Okay, first of all, no, no. <laughs> It's not going to happen. There is a 0% chance that this will happen. Um, Don Davide. Cool. Let's would, move on. Would be, he's the, um, he replaced Bishop Filet as the mm -hmm. superior of the SSPX. And it's funny because Filet, who is a pretty strong uh, radical traditionalist and, you know, was one of the original four bishops ordained by uh, Bishop Lefebvre back in 1988. He's pretty extreme in his views, but Dom David, Father Davide, uh, represents the um, the more uh, hardline group. Um, doesn't favor reconciliation with Rome. Um, people are asking why, you know, they would float a rumor like this. And, you know, I've heard yeah. a few theories, one of which is, and, you know, I've as you know, as we've discussed, we've been looking at a lot more uh, SSPX apologias recently, people trying to justify their status, saying that they have official approval from Rome, saying that, you know, the excommunications were invalid. My guess is they're maybe floating this rumor so that if they do perform more illicit ordinations or Episcopal con consecrations, they can say, once again, you know, the Vatican pulled out or was dragging their feet at the last minute. Or, uh, you know, another thing that pops into my mind is if you read SSPX 
apologetics or if you listen to them, they use very hollow arguments. Um, people will bring up apostolic letters, official statements, documents uh, where John Paul II or uh, Pope Francis will say that they are in schism. They'll use the word schism. But then they'll say, oh, well, this, you know, this random retired bishop said that Pope Francis told him that the SSPX isn't in schism. So that proves that they're not in schism. And that, once again, it's, you know, I think this is feigned ignorance rather than invincible ignorance. I think that they really, they're just taking any shred of proof that, you know, or I wouldn't even say proof evidence that they have approval from from the institutional church to justify their existence now i mean the crazy thing is is they intersperse their supposed official approval from the pope with accusations that the pope is a heretic and a modernist and embraces freemason ideology and you know that the novus ordo is an abomination you know i, I mean it, it, all the good stuff it's almost it's ridiculous but no it is not going to happen. You can rest assured that Pope Francis will not bless mm -hmm. or grant approval to this. Yeah. Next question. All right. Uh, we had an just weird and intriguing bit of news that came out of a conflict. Um, so reports of a conflict between a group of cloistered Carmelite nuns and Bishop Michael Olson of the Diocese of Fort Worth. I had not heard of this until you mentioned it right before our recording here. So what is going on? Well, um, it's it's a really odd story. And I've got to wonder, like, why is it always the Carmelites? It's because of where <laughs> Peter is. You yeah. know, we had uh, Sister Gabriella talking about the different conflicts that were going on within different Carmelite nuns. But, you know, once again, mm -hmm. so this story... Um, sort of came across the news um, and it's it's been updated, but it's it's sort of had these twists and turns. So this is the Diocese of Fort Worth in Texas. Mm -hmm. And there is a Carmel, you know, a, a monastery of cloistered Carmelite nuns in Arlington, Texas, that falls within the diocese um, mm -hmm. where the uh, prioress, uh, Mother Teresa Agnes, um, mm -hmm. Apparently she had surgery and she's had a feeding tube and she's had a wheelchair or she's been in a wheelchair. And I don't know if this was prior to the surgery or what, but apparently, and this is the nuns, at least the nuns version of the story was that when she was groggy and still under the influence of anesthesia, um, mm -hmm. she confessed, not in confession, but admitted to a violation of the sixth commandment. Uh, with a priest from outside the diocese. I don't know if he was a spiritual director or was giving a retreat. You know, I don't know if she was in the wheelchair at the time or needed the feeding tube at the time that this supposedly occurred. Um, the, you know, the sisters are are arguing that, you know, she wasn't in her right mind when she said it. It never happened. Um, but Bishop Michael Olson believes it's true. So he began an investigation of uh the order beginning in april and we'll we'll link the story to give all the details but um then the uh the nuns decided well for one thing they said we are a pontifical right order we report to the pope we don't report to the local bishop mm -hmm. um so you can't you know 
invade our territory or, or try to boss us around. So um, I guess he tried to continue with this investigation and, th and they wound up uh, filing a lawsuit against him. So this is pretty odd, you know, nuns suing their bishop, so suing the local bishop. I don't even mm -hmm. know how the, you know, the First Amendment and, and U.S., uh, you know, religious laws would handle something like that. Um, well, in retaliation, the bishop then decided, Bishop Olson decided to uh, withdraw their access to daily mass. They did have daily mass on Sundays, or I mean, they had Sunday mass, they still had access to Sunday mass, withdrew mm -hmm. their access to the sacrament of reconciliation, with the exception of, um, you know, the church's requirement, which is once a year, um, and uh, shut down their, I guess, a lot of people were attending mass in the monastery, just, you know, would go to daily mass or would go to, uh, to Sunday mass there, and he restricted them. Um, anyway, this, so this, so this is sort of where we're, where we're staying. Now, all of the press coverage on this mm -hmm. um, has been from the sisters' point of view. The, you know, Bishop Olson, the Diocese of Fort Worth, hasn't put forth anything other than, like, the official decrees, at least that I've seen. Mm -hmm. So anyway, the latest development was yesterday when the uh, Vatican's uh, dicastery on uh, religious and consecrated life, uh, people call it well, it used to be sickle cell was how they would pronounce the acronym. Now I guess it's dickle cell. Um, <laughs> it's not but, helping either. <laughs> but that office, dickle cell uh, issued a document basically ordering an investigation of the monastery. Mm -hmm. And they designated Bishop Olson as the investigator. Okay. And on top of that, they removed any, you know, they sanated or, uh, any defects, any canonical things that he may have done that might have been violations of canon law up to that point. And immediately thereafter, he dismissed Reverend Mother uh, from her position, from the Carmelite order, um, due to wow. the you know due to these alleged violations of the sixth commandment. Um, and that's the latest news. That's where we are. And she's still denying um, it. She's still denying it. The order is yeah. still denying it. Um, I mean, it's it seems draconian. It seems uh, bizarre weird. on the surface. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the only justification that I can imagine um, for this kind of treatment is if the bishop has information that's not being shared publicly that confirms for him that this violation of the sixth commandment did happen. Um, but that's not available to the public. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I want to think back to Bishop Olson, however. Um, it was probably about a decade ago. There was a small uh, college uh, within his diocese uh, called Fisher Moore College, named after uh, St. John Fisher and, and St. Thomas More. And interestingly, um, a newly Catholic Taylor Marshall was the president of the of the college, if I hmm. recall correctly. Okay. And um, <clears throat> sorry, and he um, and so this uh, you know it was small. It was like thirty students, you know, 
three faculty members. I think it was adjacent to the University of Dallas, and maybe there was some crossover so that students could get credits done. But it was in its very early stages, but it was beginning to show uh, some signs of, uh, you know, radical traditionalist tendencies. And this was before Marshall himself was a, a radical traditionalist, but ultimately Bishop Olson wound up withdrawing the traditional Latin mass from their parish, uh, you know, started overseeing the, the speakers that were invited. Like I believe they invited uh, Father Nicholas Gruner, who was a suspended priest, who's known as uh, the Fatima priest, but he's always promoting, he was, mm -hmm. he passed away, but he was always promoting conspiracy theories like, uh, you know, Sister fourth Lucia secret. having a body double and the fourth secret and, you know, all it's those all kinds of years. things. Yeah. Um, so in the end, even though he wasn't very forthcoming with the information at the time, you know, mm. after all of these events happened, um, he was vindicated or it was clear that he was doing the okay. right thing. Um, we don't just like, you know, I've, I, I've said in the past, I don't have that information. That's my imagination thinking like, how could this possibly make any sense? How could this be justified? Okay. Because the story in the media, it seems like this bizarre situation where a nun in, in a wheelchair is being, uh, you know, is being punished for a, you know, a groggy semi-confession of an unspecified violation of her vows. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's all we know. So anyway, we'll link to the story and if there are any updates or if somebody decides to write about it for where Peter is, um, you can look into it yourself, but this is, it's an interesting okay. saga and you know, it's, 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 well, I appreciate you, you yeah. shedding that, that weigh in or, or weighing in on Bishop Olson and, uh, that little bit of it has passed. I didn't know that. So that's, um, it's good. I think to step away from, uh, just jumping to either jumping to conclusions or, or, or having too strong an opinion because we don't know. We don't know everything. All right. Uh, lastly, we're now in the month of June. Uh, Catholics traditionally express devotion to the sacred heart of Jesus, but in the general culture, it's also a uh, celebrated as pride month, recognizing and supporting the LGBTQ community. Um, where do you want to go with this one? Like how do, how do Catholics, yeah, we should we orient ourselves with this because online Catholic Twitter is just uh, it's a thing. So where do you want to go with this one? Well, thanks for leaving me like that. <laughs> well, hey, this is your back. debrief. Honestly, Mike. yeah, no, I mean, I so I weighed last last week. We didn't, you know, speak about this topic. We had yeah. other things to talk about, but I I feel like that this is a big enough topic in our culture mm -hmm. and in our church that yeah. we do need to discuss this intelligently charitably um and i've got to say this is one of the reasons i have so loved following where peter is because you've had a number of people from all across the different spectrum of being catholic or or whatever aspects of the culture and they will write in and they will always be so uh kind and intelligent you know and articulate and then to also have kind, intelligent, articulate bishops, you know, slamming these same kinds of people online, it could, well, not only creates confusion, it creates a sense of cultural 
I don't know, dysphoria of like, how are we supposed to act and, and live this out and, and function? So sorry. That, but that, well, yeah, no. And I mean, always been wonderful with this. And there, and I mean, the, well, part of it is because we have really sought to follow Pope Francis's example mm -hmm. um, on these issues. You know, Pope Francis has been very clear on matters of um, morality, on matters of, uh, you know, doctrine, of ideology. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Catholic, Catholic teaching is, you know, in, in areas of human sexuality and moral doctrine is what it is. Um, I have heard from people who have spoken to Pope Francis, in fact, that he is truly, he wants to uphold Catholic doctrine, but he wants to do as much as possible to be welcoming, inviting, charitable, understanding to LGBT people. And we've seen examples of this. We've seen, um, you know, his friendship with, with Juan Carlos Cruz, a gay man, for example, who was um, a Chilean survivor of, um, of sexual abuse. Um, he was one of the people actually that Pope Francis initially accused of slandering uh, a bishop yeah. in Chile. Mm -hmm. And Pope Francis apologized. And um, Juan Carlos, who uh, Jeannie and I interviewed, uh, Jeannie Gaffigan and I interviewed last year for our podcast, um, he accepted the Pope's um, he accepted the Pope's apology and rather than be triumphalist or bitter, he, he's, you know, he offered his own services to the Pope. And I mean, he's, he's a wealthy, well-off businessman. He's, you know, he's well-to-do, but he, deep down, he has a Catholic heart. And so he's been helping with refugees in the, in the Ukraine war. Um, he wow. just published an article um, about, laws in Uganda um, that, um, you know, basically make, put the death penalty on the table for, for homosexuals. Um, you know, he's noted that the um, Ugandan bishops are, are absolutely silent on these issues. Um, he's a member of the Pontif Pontifical Commission on um, the Protection of Minors. So he's mm -hmm. actively working to help the church. Um, and it was all, I mean, it wasn't all, it was because of his openness and it was because Pope Francis reached out to him and apologized and was genuinely sorry for, uh, you know, thinking negatively of him. Um, but you also see articles about how, you know, every month or two, there's a group of, um, you know, transgender people that are brought by a sister who ministers to them and they meet with Pope Francis and he knows their names. He's, you know, he's seen pictures of their families. You know, mm -hmm. one of one of the um, women was uh, either passed away or was too sick to come. And I think he blessed a picture, you know, um, he's met with gay couples. I think I think it's and we saw that video of him meeting with um, the young people or the Spanish speaking young yeah. people um, on, mm -hmm. on Hulu. I think that the Catholic Church has a lot to atone for with the way they've treated LGBT mm -hmm. people in the past. Um, mm -hmm. There's been a special stigma attached to people with these 
attractions or inclinations. Um, mm -hmm. They're marginalized in culture. Um, and it's, it, it is a double standard because when it is, uh, you know, when it's a womanizer or, uh, you know, a woman who is, who's been promiscuous or engaged in prostitution, it's like, as mm -hmm. long as they are straight, they can get their lives back on track, get married in the church, you know, and, 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 you know, go with God. It's mm -hmm. a lot more complicated for people whose orientations are different and it mm -hmm. is a struggle and a lot you know, something that I've learned is that a lot of LGBT people are some of the most dedicated people to God, to faith, that searching, um, mm -hmm. praying, uh, you mm -hmm. know, works of charity. And so, I, you know, I mean, yes, there are certain lines, like, for example, the, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, um, you know, being given an award at Dodger Stadium. That's a group of, of gay men dressed in drag as nuns. They have, uh, in some cases, they have perverse names, uh, you know, sister, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I think that, you know, that kind of mockery is, uh, you know, isn't justifiable for anyone. Um, no. But, you know, there are certain levels of tolerance, especially with the way that we've treated people way the church has treated people in the past and made them feel alienated that I think we don't have to go in, fly into a blind rage. Mm -hmm. If somebody has a, has a pride flag on their, uh, you know, Twitter handle or, yeah. or posted on their Facebook. Um, and that's a, what I we've mean, seen on like, um, you know, the diocese of Pittsburgh canceling a pride mass on the campus of Duchesne university and Catholics are supporting the pride movement. And, so I'm curious in your take then how maybe not can Catholics support the pride movement? Maybe that's the question. Can we, or how can we, or is there just a level of, uh, there's nothing magisterial about this and there's a lot of good and there's a lot of mistakes. I mean, I would, side. you know, there's, there is no doctrine, you know, there's, if you go to the catechism and, and look about whether you can wear a rainbow flag because you have, a certain set uh, because you have a certain sexual yeah. orientation or you know a certain gender identity there is you know there's no restriction against against wearing a rainbow and i think uh, you know sort of these uh repercussions of this intolerance and things that have driven people away from the church is you know is the hostility the hus hysteria that um catholics show at the slightest hint of you know, using the term LGBT or describing something as homophobia or, um, you know, maybe just, in, you know, having having friends or inviting them over to, you know, over to your home or getting together for dinner without admonishing them every five minutes. Um, yeah. We have to live in the society, even if we're not of the society. I mean, mm -hmm. speaking for myself, my own personal morality is you know in line with the Catholic Church, but I do things that aren't in line with the Catholic Church. That's that's sin, you know, and it's sin as defined by the Catholic Church. Um, other people, their consciences may be different, or they struggle with the idea, or you know they're they're not quite sure where they want to be, and they might not be living, you know, the the ideal lifestyle that some Catholics may imagine. But I don't think any of us do. 
really. Um, it's not to downplay the gravity of sin. It's not to downplay, um, you know, chastity in any way, shape, or form. We're all called to chastity. Mm -hmm. um, but this is, you know, it just seems to me that um, emotions run high, judge judgmentalism runs high. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that, you know, Father James Martin is treated as diabolical uh, when you have other people who are, you know, pretty much in schism being tolerated. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, you can cast a blind eye to to, to E. Michael Jones's uh, anti-Semitism, but you, you know, you can't act like, you know, Father Martin is a priest in good standing and a, and a Jesuit in good standing. I mean, mm -hmm. we all have to follow our consciences, but we should also have a certain level of, of detachment. Um, right. And that's, uh, I think that's something that Pope Francis exhibits. He doesn't, he does he's not easily what, offended. Yeah. What, and what's beautiful, what he models as, as a pattern for how we should all go about it. And he's, he's quite, quite straightforward when somebody wants to know what he thinks about something, he'll, he'll straight up and tell him. But other times he's um, uh, always looking to affirm, affirm the personhood. And then there's that difference between tolerance and condonement. And he walks that path very, very carefully. I think a lot of us don't have a sense of that distinction of that nuance so, well and that is that is the hardest thing and and i just want to say that maybe we should be a little bit more um tolerant of each other when it comes to whether it's tolerance condoning just being welcoming or hospitable i think i no. you know i think i think we shouldn't jump to judgment i mean i know people have right. judged me i've probably judged people in the past people think I'm harboring some kind of secret agenda. And the fact of the matter is, I recognize that this is a very difficult topic. Mm -hmm. I'm conflicted every time it comes up, you know, but I, I feel that it's it's my responsibility to dive headfirst into this mess, because that's, mm -hmm. that's what we're being called to do. Yeah. Well, and speaking of that, we're going to um, next week, come back to we were going to do it this week but it only just landed on monday so we haven't had time to sort of review it and discuss it uh, or i we mike hasn't um and his cadre of genius geniuses the vatican document on engagement with social media so that was just released this past monday next week we plan to discuss the highlights of the document and uh, what people in the church are saying about it so be a good document for everyone to sink their teeth into before next week um, but that's going that directly affects half of the stuff that we were we're talking about today and half of the reasons why things just go crazy on on social media and, and in the church so anyhow mike thank you for the debrief um uh, available links to the topics are in the description for those who want to go a little more deeply into these things the conversation is brought to you by smartcatholics.com, the free online community for millennials creators and learners join the private where peter is group to ask questions, share insights, and maybe suggest topics for next time, things you'd like us to, to cover. And visit wherepeteris.com to read articles, commentaries, and spiritual reflections by and for faithful Catholics who support the vision of Pope Francis. Share this episode with uh, family, friends, maybe followers. Hit the subscribe button so that you never miss an episode of The Debrief from Where Peter Is. Yeah, and um, please consider uh, supporting Where Peter Is on Patreon. Uh, It'll help us continue running the site, bringing you this show. Um, I just mentioned on Twitter, and Dominic and I were just talking about it, that uh, May 
2023 was the biggest month in the history of where Peter is in terms of traffic. Wow. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we've sort of been running on, uh, you know, a shoestring, a prayer and uh, the talent and um, dedication yeah. of our of our volunteer contributors. So um, I don't know, please consider uh, we need to discern the future of the site and um, mm -hmm. it's only going to be possible with with support. That's right. Your patronage to your friends directly creates the freedom Mike and his team need to be providing the service, which as far as I can tell, doesn't exist anywhere else online in as coordinated and concentrated an effort. So do support them on Patreon. Thanks for joining us. When it comes to news and controversies in the Catholic Church, stay curious, informed, and engaged. God bless you.